morning with us to worship. Good to see all of you. Can you stand together with me and greet each other in the name of the Lord? Tell them you're happy to see their face this morning.
let you know that I got a text in the middle of the night from the Gambella Ethiopia group, and they made it safely. They are there, and they're safe, they're tired, but good. Thank you for your continued prayers. You may be seated. We have an announcement. I think I lost my buckaroo already. Yeehaw, y'all. How is everybody today? Oh, come on. Two of them qualified for nationals, and they'll be going in two weeks to uh, Phoenix, right, to compete at the national level. Um, in our region, up in Nampa, uh, Gabe took first place overall. And uh, Mallory, yeah, Mallory was fourth. So, and they'll, so they'll be heading, heading to Phoenix. It, it was a great honor just being with these kids this year, just seeing how they they studied and learned the word and um, used it to have Bible studies with each other and during our practices and everything. It was just amazing. And uh, next year, they'll be doing youth groups for Second Peter. So uh, pray for me as I try and keep up with them.
this morning because I know many of us have those thoughts. I know I've had those thoughts and feelings. Um, but I want to remind us that the word of God says that he is good. And putting a stake in the ground on that is difficult to do sometimes. It's difficult for me to do. He has been faithful to his promises all of my life of being there with me, of forgiving me when I ask him to, of being my constant friend and helper and refuge. But he is not... things from happening to me. I don't know how else to say it. And I know that if I asked everybody, people to raise their hands, almost everyone here would agree. Um, but I just want to keep us, uh, I wanted to bring that reminder, that focus on the word. He is faithful to his word and what he's promised in his word. Throughout this morning's worship time, I have some testimonies from these quizzers that you saw up here, these awesome kids. They studied the book of John. So I'm going to read a couple of these first with our worship this morning, some of their testimonies about what God taught them studying the book of John. Bailey says, in John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. When he does, he calls Lazarus by name. If he hadn't, the whole graveyard might have come out of their graves. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Never would have thought of that. Kendra says, in John chapter 8, when the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus, he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she replied, No one, sir. Everyone had left, and Jesus had already forgiven her, but she could have condemned herself. When we become born again, we are forgiven for everything we have ever done or will ever do, but we must also forgive ourselves and move on. Anyone ever struggled with forgiving yourself?
You are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus is talking to his disciples in these verses. If you listen to what Jesus is saying here, you will realize that he refers to us, his followers, as his friends. A lot of people think that if we follow Jesus, we are his servants. But as you can see, he loves us enough to call us friends, even his children. Ian says, one of the things that John explains is that Jesus is our creator. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says that through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And quite simply, Jesus created everything. And we belong to him. And he alone is worthy of our praise.
13, Jesus knows that Peter will deny him and Judas will betray him. Even though he knows that most of his disciples will abandon him before his death, he still calls in his children and breaks bread with them. After his death, burial, and resurrection, he tells Mary Magdalene to tell his brothers that he is ascending to his father and their father. Jesus has not changed his mind about who he called him to be. Amen. As seen in John 20, 21 through 23, it shows that no matter how far you may fall, Jesus will never abandon you because he calls you his child. Pray 
Lord, but for now, would you go to prayer with me to our King? Lord, we come before you this morning, humbled, and we ask you, Jesus, to just take all the distractions out of our minds right now. We're going to need you to focus on you. Pastor Greg has a great word to come and to fill our hearts, but Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill this room, to surround it with your protection, and to allow us to just open up our hearts and our minds to really hear your word. In Hebrews, it tells us that your word is like a two-edged sword that's sharpened so sharp that it'll cut through bone and it'll separate joint from marrow. So, Lord, I ask you now to go into our hearts, pull out all the weeds in there from the week, and start getting ready to plant these seeds that you want to grow in us. Lord, anoint Pastor Greg this morning. I pray for freshness to come out of this word. We've heard some of it before, but Lord, make it new. Your word is alive and it's living water. So I ask you, Jesus, to just fill this place with it. Fill our hearts. Awaken our dead spirits. Some of us just feel like you're just not getting through to us or we can't hear you anymore. But Lord, open our ears and our minds and our hearts and let us hear you and renew us today. Lord Jesus, we love you. This is not a time we're just doing every week. This is a time that we're coming, we're giving, we're setting aside for you. So grow us closer to you. Draw us in nearer. Lord, anyone that's hurting this morning, I pray that you will touch them with this word in a new way. And they will walk out of here with a straight back knowing he's got them. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all you do for us. Be with our team in Ethiopia, Lord. Keep them safe. But, Lord, work through them boldly. Let the gospel just run rampant through them. Lord, we love you so very much. We thank you for this church. We ask you to bless it and to bless Pastor Greg this morning, Jesus. In your name, amen. Ushers, if you please come forward. And children, you can come up, and I'll get out of your way. And you can give your offering, and I'll just say a quick prayer over the offering. And then we'll get on to Pastor Greg. Lord, thank you for this offering. I pray that you'll bless it and multiply it. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that it will honor you and that we will honor you with our giving. And let us be joyful givers. We love you, Jesus. In your name. book, but the book of Job 
is not about not just about suffering that Job went through. The book of Job is about endurance. And I believe the underlying factor of that is a relationship that Job had with God. It is very evident that within his life, he had a true relationship with God himself. In fact, in those days, it seems that the world view was more, a little bit more godly in some ways. Suffering is the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. How many of you have gone through pain? How many of you have gone through distress? Some of you keeping your hands up. How many of you have gone through hardship? Well, let me ask you something. How many of you are going through hardship right now? Anybody? How many of you are going through hardship right now? A couple of you. Billy Graham wrote, suffering is part of the human condition. And it comes to us all. And then he says, the key is how we react to it, either turning away from God in anger or bitterness, or growing closer to him in trust and confidence. I want you to know that when we have a relationship with God, and it's ongoing, when suffering comes, when trials come, and how many of you know as Christians, we, we do have trials, and suffering does come from time to time, when we have a relationship, we can have this confidence that God is with us. Turn me to Romans chapter 5. I believe it will be on the screen. Romans chapter 5. And I want you to notice some key things within these verses that goes along with the book of Job. And you'll find that out later. Through him, through Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. That's key to understanding Job. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let us pray. Father, as we open up your word and we look at this wonderful book, I pray, Lord, that you would instill within our lives and within our minds and that you would drop it into our hearts what we are learning this morning that we may put it to practice. And God, may, may this encourage many that are here. And Father, may we learn from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Job simply starts with these words. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 
500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of the people in the east. He was of the greatest of the people in the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house in which one of each one of them in his day, and they will sit and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate, consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, It would be, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, get the, get these words, thus Job did continually. He had this relationship with God that it, that it affected the people around him and his children. Now it goes on. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and, notice, not the Son of God, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you been? And Satan answered, I've been going from to and fro, from out the earth, walking to and from it. Uh, he was just saying, I'm, I'm just minding my own business. He wasn't. How many of you know that? And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Let me stop there. I remember one of the first times I read this, this bothered me. And it bothered me for a different reason than most people would think. It bothered me for this. God, have I such godly character within my life that you would mention my name to man? Have you considered me? Now, that's just a different way of thinking, isn't it? And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him upon the earth, a man blameless and upright, who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear you for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and the possessions uh, have increased in the land. How many of you thought when the enemy comes in like a flood sometimes that you can pray, God, throw a hedge around him. And there are times in our lives when God will do that. When the enemy comes in, he will put a hedge around us so that he can only get so far in our life. Satan said, but, and, and stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, or, or God said this, and he shall, or Satan, and he shall curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has in your hand, only against him do you stretch out your, only only do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And the rest of the story is this. Satan takes Job's property and, and wipes out his children, all of his children. 
Satan attacks next. God gives him permission to attack his, his health. And Satan attacks his health. And he has boils all over his body. How many of you have had a boil? He had boils all over his body. In fact, he was set down with a, with a piece of broken pot and would scrape the boils to relieve the pain and the itching that he would have from that. And then Job is sitting alone on ashes and sackcloth. Can you picture this? Can you picture this man doing this? He is sitting alone and he's doing this. And then Job's three friends come. I want you to know in times of trouble, it is good that we have friends. I don't know about Job's friends, but in times of trouble, it is good that we have friends. I want to share with you one lesson and we're going to look at it from different angles this morning. One lesson that I have learned from Job, I believe every one of us need to understand and put to practice within our life. And it's a very simple lesson. And that, that is this. Job was bigger on the inside than he was on the outside. I want you to think about that. Job was bigger on the inside than he was on the outside. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, and you're going to find out the reason for this, if we're going to follow Jesus completely within our lives, we must be people that become bigger on the inside than the outside. Let me explain it to you. Number one, Job's character was bigger than his reputation. Now, his reputation, did you see this? He was the greatest of all the men in the East. That was his reputation. He had so much wealth. He had so much, so much security. He had a wonderful family. And now... All of that is gone. That was his reputation. And it is gone. But Job's character was bigger than his reputation. Job was blameless and upright. One who feared God turned away from evil. In Proverbs 10.29, the way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity. How many of you know the word integrity, what it means? The word integrity is an architectural, was first an architectural term, and it meant that everything worked together, and everything was in place, and everything was one. You look at the building around us, the, the beams, that there is integrity within the beams, or they would fall down. And there is integrity within this place. And God wants us to be a people that has that that is has integrity within our lives. In other words, He doesn't want us to be someone over here that's one thing, and over here that's another thing. He wants us to be the same wherever we are. 
And Job had integrity within his life. He was a follower of God, and we've, we've expressed that, and he lived it every day. When character becomes bigger on the inside, our, we, are knowing not, we are known by, not only by our talk, but we are known by our walk. In other words, they line up. They are congruent. And character is expressed this way for a follower of Christ. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now, it's interesting to me that Job's friends came and they found him grieving. And I want to stop here a minute. When, when someone is in grief, Job's friends at first did exactly what they should do. The Bible says that they came and Job was sitting here in ashes and they came and they sat with him for seven days and never said a word. Think about that. They sat with him for seven days and not a word, not one word was exchanged in all four of those men. They just sat with him. I remember one day, as sometimes I was a chaplain at a hospital, and I remember one day the hospital called and asked me to come. I got to the hospital, and they caught me and took me into a room. This couple, this young couple, had just lost their 12-year-old daughter to a drone. And I walked in that room, and I stood up close to them, who had tears coming down their face. And I stood there and I held hands with them. And I just cried. I didn't have anything to say. I just waited. I want us to realize that when grief comes, there are times when you don't start talking. We are to be a people that encourages one another. And the problem was, after seven days, on the eighth day, Job's friends opened up their mouths. And I want you to clearly understand what they said. First of all, one of them one of them began this process of saying God is just. And, and we believe that. We believe that God is just. And he, but he was looking at Job. And he, this, this is the statement his friends were saying to him. God is just. And you are suffering. Therefore, there must be sin in your life. Now, that's exactly what Job's friends were saying. Remember the first seven days? They were silent. They should have been silent the eighth day, too. <laughs> I, I, I want you to realize this. I, I have prayed in, in ministry for 40 years, pastoring. I have prayed for hundreds of people for healing. 
And one time when I was praying for someone, it, it was a line of people, and I was just praying for someone for healing. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm not going to heal him because of sin in my life or in his life. One time out of hundreds of people. And you know what I did? I quietly moved to the next person. It literally scared me that God would, God would reveal that to me. And, you know, I prayed for that person. I talked with him later, but I moved to the next person. Job's friends were out of line. When we come to people and they're down, we don't push them down farther. We want to be people that will lift them up and encourage them and, and will help them. An ancient proverb says, speech is silver, and some of you know this, speech is silver, but silence is gold. Job's response to his friends is this, in 13, 4 and 5. As for you, you whitewash lies with lies. Worthless physicians are you all. Oh, that you would keep silence, and it would, it would be your wisdom. Sometimes it is best to be silent and to choose our words wisely. The words in, in Proverbs 10, the words of the godly encourage. So one of the things, it's character first within our life. First, lead ourselves to be godly. Lead ourselves to search after God. And that affects our life and our character. So Job's character was larger than his reputation. Number two, Job's faith was greater than his doubts and more enduring than his trials. Job's faith was more enduring than his trials. Satan will try to tell us at times when we're going through hard times that God does not care. How many of you ever had that happen to you? I have. There are times when Satan will come or the, an enemy will come and say that God doesn't care. But God, but Job put his trust in God even in the middle of the storm. He put his trust in God and he held on. In fact, Job says this in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. In Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end, and, and, and that in the end, He will stand upon the earth. Listen to a song that we sing from time to time, and it's, a, it's an old hymn. I know that He safely will carry me through, no matter what evils betide. I know that He safely will carry me through, no matter what evils betide. Why should I then care, though the tempest may blow, if, if Jesus is close to my side? I want you to know one thing I see in this is that even though times in our life we feel that God is not there, He really is. He is there. 
living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love from all time safe and his sheltering arm. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. In Proverbs 10.25, it says, when the storms of life come, and my friends, they do come. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. How is your faith? How is your faith? In your faith in God, you are building a foundation for life. And if that foundation is secure, when the storm comes, you will stand fast. Job's character was greater than his reputation. His faith was greater than his trials. Number three, Job's hope reached higher than his suffering brought him down. His hope reached higher than his suffering brought him down. Job, I believe, never lost hope. Though Satan tortured him, though his wife told him to curse God and die, though his friends discouraged him, though his flesh cried out in pain, he still had hope in God. And that's good for us to remember. In Job 19.25, I, again, these verses. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end, He will stand upon the earth. And then He says this, And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That's hope, my friends. He had a real hope. It, it just, let me ask you, do you have that kind of hope within your life? When things are going tough, you wonder sometimes where God is. When things are going tough, you wonder where your friends are. But hope helps you to keep on going on. How does hope inspire you within your life? But greater still, let me ask this. How does your hope inspire people around you? How does your hope Inspire people around you. When you're going through our roughest times, hang on to hope, and it will inspire you to keep on going. Andre Crouch wrote a song. The second verse is this. Job was sick so long till the flesh fell from his bones. His wife, cattle, and children, everything that he has was gone. But Job, in his despair, he knew that God still cared. Sleepless days and sleepless nights. But Job said, that's all right. I've got confidence God is going to see me through. I've got confidence. No matter, no matter what the cause may be, I know he's going to fix it for me. That's because he had hope. And hope builds confidence within our lives. Character, faith, hope gives confidence during the most trying of times. In Hebrews, we read these words. We have fled to him for refuge, can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor of our soul, and it reaches into the heavenlies where Jesus is at. I have a friend of mine that tells me when you're going through a hard time, and you're just hanging on, tie a knot in the rope, and 
it's easier to hang on to. <laughs> and I have told people there are times we need to make sure our anchor is secure in the heavenlies. In other words, our hope is reaching up all the way to Jesus. And we are hanging on with everything we've got. Because there are times in our life when those storms do come. And we, we resentment and bitterness within our life drives that hope away. Let me repeat that. Resentment and bitterness in our life drives that hope away. And by the end of our lives, as followers of Jesus, we should be people who are flooded with hope and not with bitterness. What are we storing up for the future? Hope or bitterness? When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace and every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within its base. Last. I really love this. Job's love was deepened. Think about this. After all this discouragement he had from his friends, Job's love for the people was greater than his hopes for people. Job's love for people was greater than his hopes for people. Turn with me to Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42, verse 7. And God has just given a great discourse of, of, to Job about his awesome power. And, and he spoke it in very poetic ways. And I, I'm not here to read that. But you can go back and read it. Just three chapters, two or three chapters before that it begins. But after the Lord has spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the, the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. Wow. What a rebuke from God. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Don't go back to these three friends, what they are saying about God, and make a theology about it, you'd be wrong. <laughs> because God says, now there were some things they said right, but most of it, they were kind of going away. And so Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And, verse 10, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. His love for people was greater than his hurts from people. His love for people did not take him down into the depths 
of despair that he looked at them and he said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And that would dry and it, it, it would hurt his relationship with God. He hanged on to that relationship with God and he loved people enough to forgive. He loved people enough to forgive. When he prayed for his friends and the Lord gave twice as much as he had before. Job refused to let unforgiveness keep him from a relationship with God. We sang this song this morning. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My chains are gone. I've been set free. And I want you to know that when, when we forgive someone, we set someone free. And to our surprise, we will find out that that person we set free is ourselves. Don't stay in the prison of unforgiveness. French poet Paul Claudel wrote, Jesus did not come to do away with suffering or remove it. He came to love with us. He came to fill us with his presence. There were times as a pastor, one time I went through burnout, I was depressed, I was down, so low. I went through, I drove my car, I never forget this, I drove my car from someone who was going through depression, and I sat in my car, and I was going in to, to encourage him. I was so depressed, so down in myself. Could not get out of that car. Have you been that low? Have you been there? You know what I'm talking about? And after that, God began to work in my life and bring me around with friends. And I want you to know just because you're a Christian, I'll say this again next week, maybe, just because you're a Christian does not void you for problems. And God helps us to get on the other side of that. But I want you to know during that time, how good the Lord has been. It was so good. It was so sweet. So uplifting. Some of you, I want you to bow your heads, please. Some of you are going through a hard time right now. Say, Greg, I'm not Joe. But some of you are going through a hard time right now. You're even not sure about tomorrow. And I want you to know that God is here to help you. And we are a people that encourage and lift up. And we want to minister to you this morning. I want you to know. Jesus said in these words, Come to me, all you who are labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if you're going through a hard time right now, I, I want you to do something that might be unusual. But if you're going through a hard time right now and you want us to pray with you, I want you to just stand all across the room. 
Bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you.